We are in Matthew, the eighth chapter. And uh, we're going through the book of Matthew, one verse at a time. We are now at verse 28. We just read where Jesus, with, there's so many crowds around him, that he told his disciples, come on, get in the boat, we're going to cross to the other side. Halfway across, this big storm comes up. They freak out. They think they're all going to die. They wake up Jesus. And Jesus yells at them. What did you wake me up for? We're going to die. Oh, for heaven's sakes, calm down. And then he tells everything and, and the earth. I mean, the, 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 the wind and the waves all just, it stops. And of course, he's like, they, they all went, whoa, look at this guy. But, but the purpose of that message, I think we often miss. People are, what they're wanting is for Jesus to calm the storm in their lives. But the message is really stay calm in the midst of the storm. Remember, Jesus wasn't saying, oh, great, this is an opportunity for me to calm the, the waves. He started out yelling, why are you freaking out? And these are guys who spent their life on the water. This, is, this had to be a big storm. And he yells at them, quit freaking out. The message from last week was learn to stay calm in the midst of the storm. And the truth is, the only way you'll ever get Jesus to calm the waves in your life, you've got to get calm first. If you'll get calm, get some faith, he can calm things for you. Okay, so now we pick it up, verse 28. When he arrived at the other side, the other side of what? The other side of the lake. Remember, he's crossing over. He gets there to the region of the Gadarenes. Now, when he gets there, two demon-possessed men came, uh, uh, coming from the tombs, met him. Now, this was not an official meeting. It wasn't like they had an appointment with demon-possessed people. It was a, the two demon-possessed guys see these guys coming to shore, and they all come down, you know, whatever they did. Uh, apparently, they were two scary dudes. They were so violent, the Bible says, that no one could pass that way. So this is a part where people avoided this area. Do not go here. Whatever you do, stay away from here. Because if you come here, they got crazy people that will come. And they're violent. They're so strong. Nobody can control them. They're possessed by demons. It's crazy. Don't come here. So, of course, Jesus comes here. Which is always the point. Jesus is always willing to go places where nobody else would go. He was always willing to touch somebody that nobody else would touch. He was always willing to associate with people that no one else would associate with. Thank God. He's willing to associate with us. You know, truth is, if you really knew about the guy sitting next to you, you'd move a few chairs over. All right? Because you don't know their past. You don't know where they've been. All right? The beauty thing of Christianity is wherever you're at, you are welcome. God can change you. He is not shocked about the mistakes in your life, okay? So anyway, he comes to where, and we're going to see this in the next chapter where the religious people really gave Jesus a hard time because he was hanging with people like you and me. You know, these are, they're not perfect people. These guys, they did horrible things in their life. Why would you have anything to do with them? So we'll talk about that next week. Uh, but anyway, so he shows up, the two demon-possessed guys. So they come down, and they're basically coming down to put on, open a a can of hurt on these guys. This is what they did. They were possessed. They were out of their minds. They were extremely violent. And all of a sudden, they see this group of people show up, and they're thinking, woohoo, we get to go torture some people. So they come down, and as soon as they see Jesus, they freaked because they recognized him. Now, I want you to think about it. This is pretty fascinating. I'll try not to get off on a tangent. I said that last time, and then I went off on a tangent. But uh, 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 
And, and we don't really want to get into teaching about demons and stuff. You could spend weeks just on that. We want to just stay on the focus of what Jesus is trying to say. And we'll do that throughout the, as we go through the Gospels, we'll see all kinds of things you could talk about, to ad nauseum about. But we're going to try and avoid all that. We're just going to try and stay focused on what Jesus was teaching. Having said that, let me give you a little, <laughs> a little insight into this. We are living in a period of time, as far as eternity is concerned. We are in the middle. I like to call it, we're like the halftime of the greatest conflict in history, eternal history. Um, remember, everything is going along in heaven. Who knows how long? Gazillions and gazillions of eons. Everything's perfect. God, it's perfect. Everything is perfect. It's not like being here. It's heaven. Everything's perfect. And then one guy gets the idea. I think I can make this better. Of course, this was Lucifer. Now, here's a guy who's a narcissist. He was in love with his own shadow. He just, he was so, the Bible says he was the most beautiful of angels. This guy was one sharp, everybody loves a sharp dressed man. I mean, this guy was cool. And he was so cool and so hip. He fell in love with himself. And he thought, well, I can do this better. And he, so he goes and he starts convincing people to do this coup, angels to, and whatever's in heaven, to do a coup to overthrow God so they can take over. Now stop and think about it. The devil is really, 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 really good at this. He got a third of angels in heaven to get unhappy. <laughs> There's one thing for him to get us discontent. Our lives kind of stink compared to heaven, right? We have things to deal with. It's easy for us to look at something, oh, that's a terrible, ah, this stinks, ah. How do you convince people who are in perfection that, you know, this really bites. You know, we, we can do this better. And, I, and make no mistake, one of the, I think the devil doesn't even consider it a challenge. There's no challenge to him. If he wants to come in here, it's so easy for him to come into churches and get people at each other. The devil's done this for last 2,000 years. It's in our environment. You think it's not? For, no, that, he shouldn't do that way. And that pastor shouldn't talk like that. And, that guy should, and they shouldn't put this over here. And, and get people crazy at each other. Churches have done this forever. We try and beat that down whenever I see it. I'm kind of a whack-a-mole pastor. As soon as I'm whacking, I just whack, whack, I just try and whack stuff. So stop it. Some people, I get criticism sometimes for being too quick to whack things. But I've been in churches where they didn't whack stuff and things went out of control. You know, trust me, the devil is really, 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 really good. If he can get angels in perfection to get upset, trust me, he can get you guys upset really easily. If he gets you focusing on stuff. So be careful for that. Don't get all crazy because things aren't perfect. Trust me, nothing's perfect. Okay, so anyway, he gets them. Then they have this thing and a third of heaven charges against God. God smacks them upside the head, throws them out of eternity, and they land on a little rock called earth. That's why all this is happening on here. So they land on this thing. Now comes judgment. These guys are waiting for some serious butt kicking to come on them. This is not done. You know, we always say, you know, the devil's in hell. He's not in hell. There's people in hell, but he's not in hell. He's, a, he's out there causing a lot of trouble. Him and a bunch of demons are out there. And they're waiting for judgment to come. It's going to come. Now all of a sudden, all this comes. And then God comes. And they're waiting for, ah! And all of a sudden, God starts playing. And he rolls back the water. And he brings dry land. And he breathes life onto this rock. And that's how we're all here. 
And what God is doing with us is demonstrating that everything Satan charged God against, that he doesn't care and I can do it better, he's proving because we're able, on this rock, we're able to see what happens when people choose Satan's way and when people choose God's way. The question that they rose, the charges they made are being forever settled in your and my life right here. And eventually it's all going to stop and then judgment day is going to come. Well, these guys know it, okay? These demons are waiting for this. So the Bible says that... uh, when, when Jesus comes, where am I? Da, 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 da. Verse 29. They see him and they freak and they go, what do you want with the son of God? They were the first ones that we read now that refers to Jesus as the son of God. Up to this point, the disciples don't even quite get it. You know, the whole Messiah thing. You see, they, they called him teacher. They called him a prophet. They called him rabbi. They called him, you know, they don't quite get that this is God in the flesh. But these demons who had had confrontation with God, recognizes God in the flesh. They don't recognize him physically, but they know who he is. And as soon as they see him, they go, ah! And they go, you didn't come to torture us, did you? Yet yeah, it's not time for judgment. And that's what they're afraid of. They're afraid of some big butt whipping coming on them. And, and uh, so um, it becomes clear that Jesus is about to just tell them, leave these two guys alone because he's tormenting these people. Leave these people. And, uh, and apparently, again, we don't want to get into a whole teaching on it, but apparently this state in which they live on this rock called earth is very uncomfortable for, to them, uncomfortable for them. They're not quite, you know, uh, physical. Or, that's why they desire to inhabit something. That's why they want to possess weak vessels. They want to be in something. They don't like this floating around uh, thing that's very uh, tormenting for them. So... Um, they know that he's about to tell them to leave these two guys, cast the demons out of them. So it says in verse 30, now some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. And the demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, please send us into the pigs. Send us into the pigs. We don't want to get stuck on the floor. We hate this floating around waiting stuff. So Jesus says to them, Go. So they came out of these two guys. Now, I don't know what that was like, you know. And again, these are tormented people who are possessed. We, I, you know, it's not like Hollywood where their heads spin around and walked on ceilings and stuff and all that kind of stuff. But they are clearly tormented people uh, that are possessed of the devil. He tells them to come out. They exit these two guys. They become normal again. So they're the most happy in this deal, I promise you, these two guys. And then these demons, we don't know how many, enter these pigs. But the pigs freak. Now, I don't know what the pigs were thinking. I don't know that pigs think, quite frankly. But all of a sudden, they can tell something happens, and these disembodied spirits enter them, and they freak. And the Bible says, they came out, went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. All of a sudden, this huge herd of pigs just goes pig crazy. And they start running down. Ah! And they run into the water and drown themselves, and they're all dead. Which means the spirits eventually are floating around again anyway. Now, those tending the pigs ran off. <laughs> I'll bet. <laughs> now, I feel bad for these guys. These are pig tenders. This is what they do. Okay. You know, and, I, you know, I don't know. I assume 2,000 years ago, this isn't exactly the highest status in life. What do you do? I, I tend pigs. These aren't guys with PhDs. Okay. They're pig 
I don't even know. They're just, they just tend the pigs. They're just they're watching the pigs. I don't know that they're not even officially pig farmers. They're just very, very low totem pole kind of guys. Well, they're watching all this. They see Jesus comes in, a crowd of guys, and all of a sudden the demon guys are thinking, oh, here they're going to come. And all of a sudden those guys freak out and come, and like, whoa, why are they afraid of this guy? And, and, and all of a sudden Jesus says, come out. And all of a sudden these guys are normal again. And all of a sudden your pigs go crazy and they all drown themselves. You are now a pig herder without pigs. And uh, this is a problem. So they've got to go now and explain to everybody what happened to the pigs. So they go and they explain they went to town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demons and possessed man. These guys are normal again. Everything they just saw, the pigs went pig crazy. They went and drowned themselves, the whole deal. Now, uh, I asked Pastor Joe to look this up for me, but, you know, tending, uh, at that time of year or of, of the world, what kind of herds and stuff that they had. We're basically talking in today's dollars about a $350,000 hit. You got a herd of pigs. They're worth money. That's why people raise the pigs. And uh, it cost them easily $300,000, $350,000, not to mention all the income that is now lost because they will not have little piggies. Because the big piggies are floating. Okay? The whole thing. They, this is a huge financial hit. And then the whole town went to meet Jesus. And they started singing, Hosanna is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is... Is that what they did? No! They went and said, please... Go away. Go away. Please go away. Now that's bad, you know. It's one thing for people to invite you. It's another thing when you show up. They acknowledge you. It's another thing when you show up and everybody says, please go. This is embarrassing. So they all beg him to wait because it costs them big money. Now stop and think about this. These people undoubtedly were Jewish people. Because Jesus only went to the Jews by his own admission. It was to fulfill the prophecies of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all that stuff, the Messiah. And then after he rose from the dead, he told his disciples, in a nutshell, made it clear to them, go into all the world and preach this to everybody. You don't have to be Jewish anymore. And that's why we're even here. So, but up to this point, Jesus was only going to Jews. So he's with these Jewish guys. Now, it basically wipes out 350 grand plus, who knows, we're talking a lot of money. Just when down the toilet to these guys. And Jesus offers no apologies. Now remember, these are Jewish guys. They're not supposed to have pigs. Okay? Now, it was very forbidden for them to eat pigs. My guess is this, a, this was a compromise that they were making. They knew they weren't supposed to be really pig business people and into pigs. They're not supposed to have pigs. But they, well, as long as we don't eat the pigs, we'll grow the pigs and we'll sell it to the non Jews, the Gentiles, they were at the edge. They probably were surrounded by Gentiles. The Roman centurion, the soldiers were all occupying the land. They probably sold it. Probably a good pig business, probably a good way. To them, it was all about making money, even though for them, and there's certainly nothing wrong today with eating pigs and stuff like that. This is a whole different ballgame. But to the Jews, they weren't supposed to be doing this. And it's basically a compromise that they had made in their lives. And Jesus had no problem drowning all their pigs. And you know he knew what was going to happen. I mean, this is God, right? It's not like God does stuff and he's, whoa, I didn't think that would happen. <laughs> you know, he's not looking at you going, oh, myself, I never thought he'd go to church. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he, he knows what's happening. He knows you're here. He gets it. He knew. When he said, please send us in the pigs, he probably thought, pigs, huh? <laughs> All right, go ahead. <laughs> All right. No apologies, no regret. What is the message here? 
God has no problem killing the pigs in your life. Are you hearing me? Don't, I'm, we're talking about compromises people make, things you do you know you shouldn't do, you kind of bend the rules, relationships maybe you shouldn't be involved in, blah, 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 the list goes on and on, and you kind of just work around it, but they're just nothing but pigs in your life. Make no mistake, God has no problem taking those pigs away from you. Even if it hurts, even if it costs you financially, no matter what it costs you, dearly, even emotionally. He's not playing around. And I hope you're getting this picture as we've been looking at Jesus. I mean, he's been extremely tough because one of the reasons I've been even wanting to do this is to show you who Jesus really is. We've gotten this picture somehow in our culture that Jesus is this warm and fuzzy grandpa and he just, you know, please believe in me. And he's like this little puppy in the window. Oh, oh, daddy, let's get the puppy. You know? and we, oh, just ask Jesus in your heart because he's this little puppy and he wants to take care of you. It is a corrupted gospel. It is a corrupted picture. That is not who Jesus is. He's not a puppy desperately hoping people will believe in him. He is the son of God. He is the Christ, the king of kings and Lord of lords. I mean, he just finishes the Sermon on the Mount. Your eye offend you, pluck it out. Having a problem with your hand? I don't know. Cut it off. He's moving along, guys. I want to follow you. He says, man, there's no comfort here. Another guy goes, well, I'll follow you, but I've got to go bury my dad. I'll let, your, let the dead bury their own dead. I mean, without question, he is compassionate and willing to forgive. We're going to see some incredible concepts of forgiveness next week as we start looking into the next chapter and how Jesus introduces this concept. And while he was willing to let people go of their sins and transgressions, he was no wuss. I'm telling you, when you come to God, you need to come hands open, willing surrender to him. This is how you experience Christ in your life. He's not just going to come in your life because you repeat some prayer. Now, we'll repeat prayers with you and we'll try and encourage you to take your first steps of faith even yet today. But if you're going to really experience God, it's total surrender. He's not playing games. We used to understand this. When people would preach the gospel for decades, even Billy Graham, the great evangelist, they would sing, you know, how just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. That whole song is about surrendering, openness, whatever it takes, I'm going to follow Christ. Instead of singing just as I am, now we sing, how much is that doggy in the window? The one, isn't he cute? Oh, please, ask Jesus. And I'm telling you, we've corrupt this. That's why we have people today who claim to be Christians, but yet live like hell. Claim to be Christians, but have pigs everywhere. People who claim the name of Christ, but are in the pig business up to their eyeballs. And I'm telling you, that's not the true gospel. Will he forgive you? Yes. Can you buy it? No, it's a gift. It's done by grace. It's an amazing thing. But you will not experience this if you are not willing to come and to surrender and do whatever you got to do to follow Christ. What will it cost you to follow Jesus? Everything. We're going to read how he'll talk about the kingdom of heaven is like someone who found a pearl 
and then went and sold everything that he had to buy that land to get that pearl. The kingdom of God will cost you everything. But then the rewards that come from that are without end. My challenge to you, get rid of the pigs in your life. Better you sell them off than Jesus come and drown the whole lot. <laughs> I don't know if that even makes sense to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the fact that we can have forgiveness in Christ and that things can be set right. Though our sins be as scarlet, they can become white as snow. But Father, help us not to deceive ourselves. Help us not to fool ourselves. Following you, we got to be willing to let go of everything to put Christ first. And Father, we just rejoice that if we're willing to come open-handed, just as we are, willing to surrender all to you, that we can experience great forgiveness, great grace, great blessing in our lives. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.